Well, welcome back to Tip of the Spear with your Missoula County Commissioners. I'm uh, Juanita Vero with my fellow Commissioner Josh Slotnick. Commissioner Dave Strohmeyer can't join us today, but we're joined by Ann Hughes, our Chief Operating Officer for Missoula County. So thanks, Ann, for joining us. We're going to talk about the upcoming state legislative session, which begins January 2nd. And so, Ann, can you give us a brief civics lesson on what the legislature is and what happens during the session and how is Missoula County involved? Yeah, I would be happy to. Thank you for having me. So as our listeners are probably aware, the legislature is one of our three branches of government. This upcoming session will be the 68th regular session of the Montana legislature. As you said, one, the first day of the session is Monday, January 2nd, 2023. Legislators will meet for 90 days. So that session is going to run from January through roughly the first week in May. Montana has a bicameral legislature, which means two chambers, which means they have a Senate and a House. The Senate has 50 senators and the House has 100 representatives. Each of those representatives in the House represent one district. And Senate districts are comprised of two House districts. Yeah. Senators serve four-year terms and representatives serve two-year terms. Every two years, there's half of the Senate up for election. Another thing to, to know is that they are selected for leadership positions and committee assignments based on the majority. So those leadership positions vary depending on the, the majority who were elected to the legislature. Committee chairs are chaired by members of the majority party and committees are often comprised by a majority of the members that are in the majority. Does that make sense? So we have a majority, a Republican majority, a supermajority actually this session. And so the majority of those committee members are gonna be Republicans on each of those committees. And when is that decided? There's a leadership. Those selections are, are made after the general election at the beginning of November. So they've happened already. So we're beginning of December, so that's all done. They've been working on that the last couple of weeks. And you said the Republicans have a supermajority. What technically, what does that mean? It means that they have two-thirds of each of the chambers and that they, a supermajority means that if they vote as a block, they can refer constitutional amendments to go onto a ballot, but they would need to vote as a block to do that. This is just history tidbit, but do we know if this has ever happened before? I don't believe it's happened in the last hundred years. So this is a big deal. Yeah. So legislators are charged with drafting new laws and repealing and amending existing laws. So those laws are outlined in the Montana Code Annotated, the MCA. So to do that, they have to work with staff to draft and introduce bills in the chamber in which the primary sponsor serves. So if it's a representative in the House, the bill is going to begin its journey in the House. If it's a senator, it's going to begin its journey in the Senate. Bills are then referred to committee where they receive a hearing and where the public and organizations provide testimony in support of or opposition to the bill. If it passes committee, then it goes to the floor for further debate, and that happens on second reading. And then if it clears second reading, it goes to a third reading. And so there is no bill that clears the state legislature that has not been taken up three times by each chamber of the legislature. If it passes third third reading, it's transmitted to the other chamber to undergo the same process that I just mentioned. It can be amended in committee and on the floor during second session, or second reading rather. After bills pass both chambers of the legislature, they go to the governor, and the governor has four options. The governor can sign that bill into law. The governor can propose amendments and kick it back to the legislature. The governor can veto the bill or take no action on the bill. And if the governor takes no action on the bill, it still becomes law 10 days later. So let's say a bill goes through the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. It goes through all three readings. Everybody's good. It goes to the Senate, and then the Senate 
wants to amend it, mm-hmm. does it then have to go back to the House? Yes. Yep. Both chambers have to be on board with those amendments okay. and give it a fair shake. Is there a time period, like once a chamber receives the, like, do they have how many days to? Yes. So for folks that are in listening that are interested, a really important thing to keep in mind is the session calendar and to look that up. I'm going to throw out some websites for folks who are interested in learning more, but going to leg.mt.gov and looking for session calendar gives you dates for what's called transmittal. And there are different types of bills, like general bills, appropriations bills, revenue bills, et cetera, et cetera. And there are all different dates by which those bills need to go from one chamber of the body to the other. So I know that you and Chris, our chief administrative officer, and a handful of other folks really pay close attention to what's happening at the legislature. Why do you do that? Well, counties are the administrative arm of state government, and there are hundreds of bills that affect how counties operate, counties of our size especially. Some of those bills have a really big impact on how we operate, and some of those bills have a minor impact, but it's still an impact. So we track bills and communicate to legislators. Last session, for example, we sent over 500 messages to legislators on over 200 bills. We have a great team that works to get all of this work done every session, and we try to make sure that we're providing meaningful input. It's a lot to track. So, for example, in the last couple sessions, there were approximately 3,300 unintroduced and introduced bills. And so 1,300 of those 3,300 were introduced and became bills. It's a a massive workload for everybody involved, not for, I mean, for the county, for us too, but really for those legislators and that staff over in Helena who are working hard to really churn that work out and do it with as much public involvement as possible. So let's say somebody reads about a bill in the newspaper and they have really strong feelings about it. What should they do? How do do they make their feelings known? Well, they should, first of all, read the bill. And a great place to do that is to go to the law's website. So again, that leg.mt.gov forward slash laws, which I'm a nerd, so I'm going to say it stands for Legislative Automated Workflow System. I love me a good acronym. (laughs) It's a great website. It's full of a ton of information where you can look up when the committee hearings are. You can create a preference list for yourself. So you can create a list of all the bills that in in particular that you care about. Um, You can get notifications when the bill is up for hearing. You can actually observe committee hearings online if you're not going to go and provide testimony yourself. But for folks who are really genuinely interested and want to provide feedback and comment on bills, that's what legislators are there to hear. They're elected by the people of Montana, and they really want to hear how folks feel about things. Folks can do any number of things. They can contact their legislators directly. And to find out who your legislator is, go to that leg.mt.gov website and go to the legislative roster, and you can find who your legislators are. It also provides their contact information. You can also call 406-444-4800 and ask that those folks who run that uh, line deliver a message to legislators. You can send a letter to your legislator or to the committee itself, or you can go full bore and attend and testify Mm. at the committee hearing in person and provide your, your input on what you think of that proposed policy. So we hear about lobbyists. What do lobbyists do? Well, it's really up to a lobbyist to keep their finger on the pulse of all 150 members and and what they need to know to make the best decisions they can. So lobbyists are often 
really not knowledgeable in specific areas. And if you think about, I mean, even in your roles, you guys, the, the amount of information that you need to take in and process and remember and keep track of to make d- the decisions that you make, it's a lot, right? I mean, it's just a lot of information. And so imagine if you had 148 coworkers who also had that role and who needed to become maybe not necessarily experts in every single aspect of policy that they're considering, but to definitely find areas where they can really develop and hone their expertise in it. And done correctly and ethically, lobbyists are a really great resource for those folks who are charged with making decisions where they may not necessarily have all of that information at their fingertips. Lobbyists should really be there to to help provide the perspective of the organization that they are there to represent and also see how they can help legislators in their work as well. So it's really, as a county, it's really our responsibility to provide input on legislation. If you guys think about the range of services that we provide, right? These are critical, kind of life-saving, often programs and services that we deliver. And in the course of delivering those services, like providing 911 services or inspecting restaurants and houses or titling and registering cars or administering elections, it turns out after doing this all these years, we've developed some expertise and we want to give input on how changes to policy and how we administer those services. It's our responsibility to provide that input. Having said that, we don't always expect to get our way when we provide that input, but it's up to us to provide that so that the legislators who are voting can make the most informed choice that they can. They have a lot of responsibilities. And does our legislature have term limits? They can serve uh, no more than eight years in a 16-year term, so in a 16-year period of time. Term limits are an interesting thing, and some people really support them and others don't. I find that, in my experience, the, the term limits kind of encourage people to move in and out of those positions, which is the point of term limits. I do believe that sometimes term limits allow for the other people who lobby and who provide information to legislators to have a little more knowledge because they've been doing those jobs for much longer. And so there's a lot of to be said for legislators being able to develop a good bench of of knowledge in particular areas so that they can make good decisions. And as far as I understand it, our legislature, a citizen legislature, which means people basically volunteer, they get a little per diem, but it's not not their profession and they're not at this all the time. It's just for a set amount of time every other year. That's kind of unusual, isn't it? So Montana is one of 10 states that has a citizen legislature out of the 46, I believe, uh, nationwide. Um, Some of those states include uh, Nevada, Idaho, New Mexico, North Carolina, North Dakota, Oregon, Utah, Virginia, and Wyoming. Mostly the West. Mostly the West, yeah. 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 I didn't know that. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for that. What are some strengths or weaknesses of this system, and why do you think we have it? I would say that one of the benefits of a citizen legislature is that it's closer to the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you could argue, and, and, and I would argue, that citizen legislators who come every couple years are coming from really important tasks and jobs in their daily lives. So they're living in their communities, and they're, they're farmers, they're ranchers, they're business people. They're just a, a range and a host of professions, and they bring skill sets to that. And I think having a citizen legislature is really a, a benefit. 
have we missed anything, Anne, or is there anything that you <laughs> wish we would have asked or need to clarify on? Well, one thing that I think folks should know is that we are really mindful of providing them information on how we're weighing in on bills. We want to make sure that the public knows what we're what we're supporting and what we're opposing and, and why. And that's a big part of what our legislative team does is to gather that input and feedback from the subject matter experts across Missoula County. So we're often looking to, you you know, department heads and, and managers and other staff to give us input on how a bill would impact the way they operate and function their particular program or, or set of regulations. So to do that, we've used a blog and it just provides the public, every comment that we send on a bill is added to this blog that we use to track what we're commenting on. And so if folks want to learn more, we don't have the blog fully developed yet because we need time to see what bills are going to be introduced. But if folks want to learn more about what we're doing, they can go to missoulacountyvoice.com and they'll be able Perfect. to get to that blog from there. There's a lot to learn. So anyone who is interested in the legislature should be sure to check out leg.mt.gov because there are just a ton of resources and guides and videos and mm. it's just a wealth of information. If you want to geek out super hard and learn about your state legislature, you absolutely should. They are there to work for everyone in the state and the more we all know, the better input we can offer in their decision making. So what should people do if they feel like the county really needs to weigh in on Bill XYZ and this is what they should say and they're really passionate? What should they do? Yeah, they can e just email your office, bcc at missoulacounty.us. That's a great, great place. Or they can call 406-258-4877 and provide that input. Thanks. Yeah. And they can also land on Missoula County Voice. missoulacountyvoice.com. It's Perfect. a great resource. Perfect. So before we close, share with us, this is my favorite question, nuggets of wisdom, inspiration, anything you've come across, book, podcast? I just discovered a play by a woman named Alice Childress called Trouble in Mind, and it was written in 1955, oh. and it just recently was produced my husband and I nerded out and subscribed to a streaming platform for England's National Theater. And you can see these televised productions and they're incredible. And the production of Trouble in Mind, I read the play and then saw the production and it's- What's the title again? Trouble, Trouble, Trouble in, in mind. mind. Okay. It's extraordinary. Great. That's I'll my- check that out. That's been the most inspiring. And then it like moved us to do a theater history <laughs> session in my living room with <laughs> coffee the next morning and yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's really good. Good. Thanks a lot, Anne. Yeah, Thank thanks you. so much, Anne. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Tip of the Spear podcast. If you enjoy these conversations, it would mean a lot if you would rate and review the show on whichever podcast app you like. And if you know a friend who would like to keep up with what's happening in local government, be sure to recommend this podcast to them. The Tip of the Spear podcast is made possible with support from MCAT, better known as Missoula Community Access Television, and our staff in the Missoula County Communications Division. If you have a question or topic you'd like us to address on a future episode, email it to communications at missoulacounty.us. And to find other ways to stay up to date with what's happening at Missoula County, go to missoula.co slash county updates. And thanks for listening.